Hello and welcome to the Southbound Sports Show. I'm your host, Richie Leahy, here with my co-host, Maddie B. We've got a lot of things to talk about, but I want to kick it off with my own high tempo, with the passing of Bushwick Bill. wanted to give him a shout-out. He was a founding rapper from like the late 80s, maybe early 90s, part of the Ghetto Boys, and he passed away of pancreatic cancer. And I know we haven't really done anything like this, but with him in the hip-hop world, making a big crossover into sports in like the, the 90s growing up, definitely a big loss. I know a lot of ESPN stuff, I don't know if they've even hit on it, but he grew up, or he, his music uh, grew up with me right around the same time as like movies as Space Jam and stuff like that. So definitely an icon and sad to hear of his passing. So I wanted to start off the show with that. And check out some of his music. Check out the Ghetto Boys if you've never heard of them. A uh, good listen. But uh, let's get into your topic, Matt. What do you have for high tempo this week? Just the uh, the breaking of or the waiting for the sentencing for Kellen Winslow Jr. Uh, he ended up being found guilty of a slew of sexual misconduct things and raping women. And Matt, the, you're underselling it. He raped a 58 year old woman. There were several people. It wasn't one instance. There were several different ones. Well, that was the big one that he was found guilty of. Because I know there were other things, but we're waiting to see what the sentencing comes down on. But a shocking thing all around, and also in the same vein, another Florida Gator from Urban Meyer's national championship team uh, with Aaron Hernandez was found guilty of murder of his girlfriend. So Yeah. Crazy times down in Florida, the state of Florida. I think anyone associated with the state of Florida should keep an eye out, right, Matt? So they should. They should keep an eye out. But Winslow was at Miami. He wasn't. He wasn't with Urban Meyer. So. Oh, well, I know. Go, but go I'm go just with, thinking, like the whole state football programs in that entire state, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ass. <laughs> um, I also have uh, some other sad news because I don't want to forget to talk about it, but I want to give a shout-out to Charles Matthews from the University of Michigan basketball team, declared for the NBA this year. And I know the rules are a little bit murky, but during a tryout with the Boston Celtics, tore his ACL. And I don't know how medical procedures work or how bad the ACL is, because normally it only takes you six weeks or six months to come back maximum. Sometimes it could be as short as like eight weeks, six to eight weeks. You're back in two months. But I heard some NBA rumors that he was going to be out for the year, which shocked me because it happened now in June or late May. I'm not exactly sure when the workout was, but it would give him a timetable of a return in December. And I don't know how the NCAA would look upon it if he was slated to go in the second round. But what if they gave him a chance to come back? Would he want to? I know Michigan has a new coach, so it's not like he can get plugged right in, focus on rehab, and jump into a system that he already knows. They're probably going to be running all kinds of different stuff. But I'm sure he's not the only athlete out there that as they are trying to re redo the uh, draft rules, I would hope that something like this is going to be taken into consideration in the future in terms of guys coming back, because there were some people that ruled it out. Maybe he could go back to college because he was slated as a second-round pick. Most likely this injury has him fall out of the draft unless like a team feels bad and picks him late in the second round, which really leaves him with not a lot of opportunities. And he has one more year of eligibility in college, Some of the early rumors were that he didn't sever ties by May 29th. So by the new rules, you have to sever ties with your agent. I think you can still stay in the draft as long as you're not drafted, then come back to college if they have a spot for you. So it it doesn't really help the athlete out at all. And so very sad to see that. Would hate to have his career end like that. I'm sure hopefully he can possibly get a, a G League contract just based on his defense, but prayers out to him for a fast recovery. 
Uh, now, it's well, I thought with the NBA rules, isn't that something that they have to? If you don't, if you don't pick up a sign with an agent, that you, you he would have been able to come back. Well, they've been changing it because for whatever reason, both the league and NCA they don't want to get rid of one and dones. I know college they're trying to push for okay, we can keep you here for two or three years, but that's not realistic because. Anyone can just drop out of college at any time. Even though you sign an NCAA contract, you can always do the Maurice Claret and leave. Now, will someone draft you if you leave early or sometime in between that? No. We've talked about it a couple weeks ago. Guys might not even go to college. They might play overseas now. And for whatever reason, I don't know why the NBA... I understand that they, they lost a lot of money investing in players from high school directly that they used top draft picks on, and then they were busts because they only saw them play against other high school kids. And a lot of times in high school, when you're a standout athlete, even LeBron James was, what, six foot eight. A lot of kids he was going up against, six foot four, six foot three. he was a man amongst boys in high school. So you might look like a sure thing, but whenever you're only playing, in, you're not playing other all-star teams realistically, maybe in the AAU circuit. But even those are tough whenever you have inner-city kids to get on an AAU team and stay out of the, the money side of things. I really don't know how they could fix it. They don't want to draft high draft picks on these. I think maybe if you did similar to what Major League Baseball does, and I did some research on this, I think baseball, they give you the signing bonus. And then you, they hold your rights. So if you go to college, you can develop there for a little bit. You could go to the minor leagues and develop there. And then if you come out, you can still go back to that team. Similar to like Kyler Murray, he still had the option to go to Major League Baseball. They drafted him. He still played football. They didn't want him to play football. But ultimately, they had the rights so they didn't have to draft him. Maybe that's something that the NBA should look at. But I don't think they want to be in that position. Because overall, the ratings are down. I saw a lot of people complaining that the finals ratings were down and they were trying to justify it by saying Toronto's in the finals. This is the, the Super Bowl. Like the Super Bowl, would the ratings go down if it was like Cleveland and some other smaller market? No. And if you're going to say, well, Canada, Canada doesn't count in the TV ratings, of course it doesn't. But does that ever stop ESPN? from slamming the NHL for poor television ratings? No. Because that's who they're betting up against. They only see the United States numbers. The league was getting their billion-dollar television deal from American networks. That's where they want the numbers. So if the finals is dropping because people just don't care, you're going to see smaller contracts. They don't want to just throw money at college players or high school players. Unless they get that guarantee, so I don't know, Matt. You're, you're coming from the high school side. Do you even see a path for them to straighten this out? I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know what the best answer is. I know, like, I wasn't sure with one of Lavar Ball's sons. Didn't he, didn't he go overseas and now he's back in some prep school in Ohio? Well, did I? I know did, one did I, of them. I think he, I know he toured Michigan, the youngest one, and even the one that got caught stealing from UCLA, I think, took a tour with when Beeline was still there. So I assume that the, old, the older one, as long as you don't get paid overseas, you can play in the professional leagues. Like if you remember uh, Mo Wagner led Michigan in the national championship two years ago, he played professionally in Germany, and his brother did too. I don't know if his brother declared, but he would be an incoming freshman if he decides to go. So you could still play even if you if you took money overseas and then you decide to go to college. I think you have to pay it back. I think that's how you get around okay. it. But you just have to okay. not take money or you have to pay it back. It's kind of a case-by-case basis. Because I want to say there was a kid from Kansas or Kentucky that didn't get cleared whenever he's paid to come here, but like I don't know what the difference is between Wagner's situation and some of these other guys. I guess it's case by case. 
Well, I wasn't sure, and, and that's where I thought, well, that's going to be a sketchy situation because then if you're opting out of your senior year of high school to go play over overseas and kind of bypassing stuff that way and then leapfrogging yourself back to America, doing this back-and-forth thing, I mean, these top prep players are already getting so much exposure and can go to different places. You know, looking at, like, IMG Academy for football – where they're able to pull in recruits from all over the country. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's a route to try to keep them home. Where they just they start establishing these like super prep schools that will will keep them there, and then just transition them directly to um, almost like a sub college type program. Because a lot of them, you're already the the kids are graduating with two semesters under their belt anyhow. So if you're holding them to two semesters, they could technically get their degree. I don't think it's a bad deal. I want to say that, I don't know, I think there was a football player from Michigan that got their degree in one year or two years, like you said, because of the strength of the high school AP program and taking college credits. You come in, you give it a shot. You might not have been a high recruit. Uh, you, You pay your dues, get your degree, and then you transfer. And as long as you're in a graduate program, I mean, some doctoral programs take five years. So if you get that bachelor's out of the way, you could transfer to another program. So, I mean, that's always an option. And I did hear someone, I was, I was talking to a parent, and they were talking about sending their key, kid overseas. And they were trying to make the argument that, yeah, they could pay, they could, they've been getting offers for like 60 to 80 grand a year. But if you skip college... And you do that, you're not going to play basketball forever. What is going to happen, let's say you get injured? Or whenever your career is over, let's say you only last five years overseas. What happens then? Are you going to bank that money? Because depending on where you live, that, I mean, and you're young, some, a lot of NBA players make millions, they're broke. NFL players are broke all the time. So you're making, you're taking a young kid throwing him overseas into another situation, I, I would find it hard to believe that parents were moving over with them. So you have money for the first time, you know they're going to spend it out, going out to the club, doing whatever. It, it doesn't seem like a viable situation unless you're almost using it as a springboard to get into coaching or some other uh, athletic field. I, I just don't know. It, like It's a risky situation all around, so... I don't know how they can make it better. I mean, you just got to kind of – each situation is different. But you got anything else to add on that? Nope. All right, our big topic today, bench-clearing brawls because Pirates were in one yesterday. Oops, I dropped the – Do you even call it that? Matt, I, I was going to bring that up because you sent me a different one a couple days ago. And then I saw the Pirates were in one as I was watching a little bit of the game, and it was a waste of time. Uh, a week ago, or two weeks ago, I was complaining about the Pirates games, how they had the pitch clock, and then they didn't even enforce it, at least to my standard, because if a guy runs out to the batter's box, they stop the clock, and then he get, calls a timeout and gets out of the box. What is the point of having the initial, the initial clock? Is that just to make sure that whoever's in the dugout knows that it's their turn to come to bat to go run out there and do that? But then this is even worse. You have a guy, and I think teams are getting soft, and maybe it's because of all the transactions these days, people jumping teams, going back and forth. I don't know. But when I hear bench-clearing brawl, the key word they're forgetting is the brawl. There's no fight. It's kind of just like a bench-clearing shout fest. I, I know that's not going to get the clicks, but if it's like, check out this bench-clearing brawl from the Pirates-Brave game, and then I'm like, okay, I, I do want to see this brawl. I want to see someone at least throw a punch, but instead, it's the catcher pushing the guy back, and then for some reason, a, a coach is out there holding him back, when you know you really don't have to hold the guy back. He's not going to run out there and try to get hurt, if you're a pitcher, you're not going to throw a punch. Think back to that movie Bull Durham with Kevin Costner from the 80s. If you watch that, I'd watch that all the time growing up. He, that was one of the things he told the rookie pitcher. Don't punch a guy with your pitching hand because it's a million-dollar arm, you idiot. 
So you really think that the guy's going to punch a guy wearing a batting helmet? All he has to do is duck, break your hand, and then what? Stop calling them brawls. That's my beef. Matt, what are your thoughts on this? Thought thought the exact same thing. I think when you look at players are they're not willing to risk getting injured for any extended period of time. So you're not seeing them being being as risky with getting into these fights. The other part to this is would Major League Baseball if if a serious fight broke out, would they end up slapping additional fines for players on players? trying to protect the league. I don't I don't know if that would be something that they would try to enforce to try to hold them to some some code of conduct to say no, we don't want to so that they have the, the deniability to say, oh no, we don't want this kind of behavior going on. But the NHL tried that. I, I don't think I'm making this up, but I want to say like a decade ago, I remember that being like a a thing. They were. They tried to say that that was like a, a negotiation tactic by the television networks that the sport was too violent, so they were going to clean it up, and then of course that dropped the ratings. So then they were like, "Well, we're, we're going to ease it back in," but because you already created that stigma yourself around your league, they couldn't openly say like, "Hey, fights are back. We can fight now." So I think Major League Baseball is in the same situation, and Matt, they're finding people. And suspending them for all kinds of stupid reasons. You know that if a guy pushed, they they kicked out what three guys? They kicked out Clint Hurdle. Like Hurdle, what are you actually doing on the team? I feel like it's his job to just make sure they stay five hundred, not to win, not to make the the tough decisions, but to throw in bullpen when he knows that the starter could probably go a little bit longer. But he's he's let's just keep that pitch count thing going. Let's bring in our bullpen, which absolutely blows. To let's see how many other games we can blow for our starters. I actually feel bad for them, but uh, I don't know what else they can do because it's a waste of time. Nothing is going to happen. So I I agree with what you said. You're going to have to do something. I think if you do fines or try to dis- dissuade it, just so that it doesn't happen because it's wasting too much time. Well, here's the other part to all this, too, is that I think baseball, they spend so much time talking about these unwritten rules, and they're enforced so poor anymore that I don't know why they why people try to bring up that's just the way things are. Like, I, I, the, I believe with the, with the game that I had sent you, the guy hit a home run, the next batter up got, got drilled in the back. And instead of it just being like, "Hey, that's that's the way," you know, under those those unwritten rules, like you expected that to come, <laughs> and you just kind of take it and and you you don't really make a big scene about it. And it's like everyone has to save face, so they have to try to to put this tough guy image out, and you know that they're not going to do anything about it. So it, it's all fluff and, and no stuff. Oh, I 100% agree, Matt. And the unwritten rules was one thing that I could always take advantage of when I played ball because there was always an etiquette factor that they teach you when you're young. I don't know if it's like parents learned it and that was their way. Like I guess the boomer generation, when they were getting taught how to play sports, their parents were like using it to help teach them discipline and solve behavior issues at the house. But I feel like every kid around my age was taught that you got to stand proper, you're on the bases, you, you got to hustle, and then when the play's over, you, you applaud the other team and things like that. And you could really rattle a player by just trash-talking because no one else trash-talked. So you could really get into their head, and I think it was just kind of like an unwritten rule, like, hey, you're, you're not really supposed to do that. I love going to minor league Pirates games, especially the Altoona Curve. And sitting in the outfield beside their bullpen and just talking trash. Because there's almost no one out there. It's like the left field. And you can get a good chance of getting home runs and foul balls there. And so if you're looking for a minor league ballpark, I always recommend it. You can uh, just look up some stats online and then talk trash. These are professional guys. They're playing your hometown boys. Maybe one day they'll get called up to the majors and you can remember chatting them up. And surprisingly... 
the bullpen guys will chat you up. A lot of them think it's funny. But the unwritten rules thing is ridiculous to me because it seems like it's an echo chamber because who's getting hired for the Major League Baseball broadcast gigs? Former players. Who made up these unwritten rules? We don't know, but former players had them. So it's like a never-ending circle. And then you're right. When you're watching a game, you can hear how many excuses. Oh, well, that's an unwritten rule. Oh, you got to peg the guy now. Like, no, you don't. You don't have to peg him. What if the pitcher pointed at him and is like, you're going down, and then he threw a uh, changeup right down the middle? Like, you can do whatever you want, but not a lot of pitchers do that because, man, if you started to talk trash from the mound, Major League Baseball would be finding them all over. Remember John Rocker? He had, like, his, his psycho routine. But he was intimidating, Matt. There was uh, yeah. Because was he going to throw it down the middle? or Was he going to hit the hit the mascot? It didn't matter. It made for exciting baseball. We don't have that anymore. Honestly, think about it. How many closers that used to be uh, must watch TV? Barry Bonds at bats. You would have to watch that if you saw if you're at a bar and you saw Barry Bonds coming up. Everyone would stop and what they're doing and watching. There were some closers like Mariano Rivera, uh, John Rocker when he was hot for a while. There were a couple other closers, I'm forgetting off the top of my head, that if they came on, you were going to watch them because they were outlandish. There was that one guy from had like the weird glasses or whatever. And then I think the Giants had a guy that had a beard for a while. Like That was the thing to do. But of, of course it's against the unwritten rules of baseball. So I think that at this point, they're realizing that it's losing them younger fans. If you go to a game, it's a much older crowd. And these are the same guys going to the games that are still paying for cable and that don't know that Netflix exists. But you know how many younger kids were at that game? Like, you would think you would see a group of, like, college-age kids at the Pirates game when I was there. Nope. Everyone was mainly late 30s or older. So, I don't know what they can do. But the unwritten rules, if it starts to trickle over, eventually those people are going to stop going to games and there's going to start to be an even bigger decline because they're not reaching the younger generation at all. In in the age of social media, you need to have clips. If you you have a brawl, it's much more impactful if you can make a five-second clip for Twitter or Facebook of a guy getting punched in the face and then circulating that around. That's much better publicity for Major League Baseball than to say, check this out, and it's a bunch of guys standing chest to chest. No one will watch that. No one will follow that, and no one will care. You'll watch it waiting. You'll watch it waiting for it. It's clickbait. You're waiting for that moment. Oh, where it's clickbait, but just, uh, I didn't have to watch the clips. I even talked to you before the show. I, I never even watched the one that you sent me, and I knew that's exactly what was going to happen. And I watched it just to make sure before the show because I wanted to do my homework. Because I'm going to share them on our Southbound Sports Twitter. You can follow us at sboundsports. Or, yeah, just sboundsports at Twitter. And check it out. Because they are all the same. I want to see some action. And I think that's what baseball needs to do to get back into the game. They don't. No one has any swagger. And whenever they do, like uh, Puig, everyone hates him. And then he starts to get blackballed in the league. They take the one guy that was fun, the one guy, and they, they, they neutered him. So I don't know. I don't even know. But that's my rant on baseball this week. You got anything else on that? No, I think I'm good. Let's get into uh, – we have one more baseball topic. I stacked it back-to-back. The College World Series, Matt. I, uh, I, I noticed a team from the Big Ten made, made the World Series. Did you see that? I did see that. I was happy. I will say this. The Big Ten, this was the second time in recent years that a team has made the World Series from my research. The last one being Indiana in 2013. And I actually believe I went and saw that team play in Maryland. I didn't go back and and check the years on my photos. But uh, it's very rare that teams up north invest in baseball. And they all give that same excuse. Uh, you know what? It, other teams have an advantage because it's warmer down there. 
they can work out earlier. You schools get millions of dollars. The, all the Big Ten schools just got $50 million from their television network. You can't throw together an indoor gym for a, a fraction of that million? Like what? One th- three million, one to three million, you could throw together an entire indoor practice facility. Because guess what? For baseball, you just need a big empty space that's indoor and you can put together a competitive team. Instead of having all the best players from the north go south, where the south is already stacked, there's nowhere for them to go in the north. So I'm glad Michigan made it. They played UCLA, the overall number one seed, out in L.A. Michigan had played them earlier in the season and won. And I had a good feeling because Michigan has three aces that I believe were all drafted in, in the Major League Baseball draft this year in the first couple rounds. So if you have three starting pitchers, you have a good chance. It's college baseball. Anything can happen. Uh, Coastal Carolina won it a few years ago. Coastal Carolina is not pulling in top baseball recruits. But they're able to get enough and get together a team. And you get hot at the right time. Anything can happen. The downsides with Michigan is the depth isn't there because of the northern team thing. And the bullpen. Bullpen is suspect. Uh, top of their lineup is heavy. So if you can get through there, uh, they can go kind of streaky. But I kind of like their chances just based on the starting pitchers. And I think as long as they keep throwing, throwing hard, that's what beat UCLA. And talking about like uh, unwritten rules and things, Matt, the announcers for that series w- were brutal. They had every excuse in the book made up for UCLA. I think the one guy went to Cal, and the other guy kept saying he played at Arizona or Arizona State. But they were making up all kinds of excuses on why UCLA wasn't getting it done. Marine layer? Have you heard of that? What? The marine layer, Matt. Because the marine layer gives the ball a different spin. So they're not used to it right now because the weather's affecting the way UCLA is seeing the ball. You think goddamn Michigan knows what marine layer balls feel like out in the Midwest? Hell no. How would that not be affecting them too? It was almost like they're like, hey, Pac-12 has been hit hard in football and basketball in recent times. They're clearly the worst conference. So we better get some homers out here to spruce them up while they have the number one seed. And to be honest, I'm glad they lost. I'm glad they lost. It, it was embarrassing to watch. You couldn't get one other guy out there that... that I understand these guys played college baseball, but to hear excuses like that, Marine layer, it just doesn't make any sense. It's almost like whenever you watch a uh, Colorado Rockies game and they always talk about how the altitude makes the ball fly out of the park faster. And it's like, guys, we know this. It's not a talking point for every game. Put it in the pregame when you do the national anthem, and then don't bring it up again. Like, come up with some new stuff. So that's my rant on that series and Michigan going forward. And I want the Big Ten to start investing because some schools now with Maryland in the league, Michigan hired Maryland's coach because the Maryland athletic department is a mess. They were in the hole. They can't get anything. Michigan took an in-conference coach unless he was hired. He was hired right around the time. Maybe it was a year before. Maybe Maryland was still in the ACC. I think it might have been. But they just hired Maryland's baseball coach. They said, you know what? Uh, your program looks pretty good. That's kind of in the north. Uh, maybe he can build a program. And he's been great. South Carolina tried to poach him away. And then guess what? The AD for Michigan uh, made his salary increase try to get him some extra help, to try to encourage him to stay. There's no reason other teams can't do that. And not even in the Midwest, but out, out west in the, in the Pac-12. Like the Pac-12, yeah, you have UCLA and a couple other teams, but it shouldn't all be southern teams. But that's my rant, and that's what the exact tournament is. So go ahead, Matt. What are your thoughts on the, the Knowles chance? I know we're in the same, same group right now. Well, I, I think they're in a they're in a tough spot with the draw of Arkansas because they they have some really good pitchers as well that they're going to be facing with. I was just impressed at looking at the longevity of Mike Martin's career. The win against LSU gave him forty wins for a fortieth consecutive year. Like that's insane. The, 
winning 40 games every year throughout his career. So it, it just speaks to hopefully they can they can pull, continue this streak of upsetting teams and just keep right on rolling, get them that first first national championship. Well, Matt, you really angered some Miami fans last week, and then again you start off the show with a Kellen Winslow reference. So you must be really trying to piss them off this summer. Uh, but I will say, you threw out a date last year about Miami being relevant, or last week, and I have no idea how relevant Miami is in baseball, but I was shocked to see that Florida State had never won a national championship. Yeah. Runners-up like three times I saw. Miami has yep. four? Somewhere in the range of three to five national championships for Miami. I can't remember the exact number, so I don't want to give a hard number. But uh, Florida State, right there, you win 40 games a season for how many years did you say? 40. 40 years and no championships. That's very Bo Schembechler-esque, Matt. It's brutal. <laughs> so I will say that. Unfortunately, uh, for baseball, there's always been kind of a tournament. So it wasn't like the old Bo Schembechler getting screwed in 19, uh, the 70s whenever they picked Ohio State to go to the Rose Bowl. There was no politicking there. But the bracket that we're in right now is Michigan plays Texas Tech. Brutal draw for Michigan because they already played Texas Tech in the regular season and went 0-3. So that's going to be a tough one. If they can jump out, uh, it's going to be a big game. Matt, Matt already said that Florida State plays Arkansas, and that's the first group stage. The other one is Auburn and Mississippi State. I think that's the matchup, unless the NCAA has this wrong. And then Louisville and Vanderbilt. The Louisville game really jumped out at me because we had talked about their their pitcher getting thrown out last yeah. week, and they just they just pistol whip ECU like they stole something. Well, that's exactly what Auburn did too to UNC. They scored like double digits in the first inning. It was almost a record. Yes. So anything can go. Both scored fourteen runs. Yeah, and that's what. It's going to come down to, I know that Louisville team's solid. And, yeah, if you're scoring runs, you don't have to worry about pitching. I still think he's out for these opening rounds of the actual World Series. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because I didn't think he should be booted at all. I don't think they won the appeal. I don't even know if they appealed. Um, But if you're just looking at it, you can see that the SEC has half the teams. Four squads from the SEC, Auburn, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas. The Big 12 has one, Big 10 has one, and the ACC has two. So, not a lot of variety. Like I said, no Pac-12. You talk about having the overall number one scene in UCLA. Has to be a complete letdown. But it's not only them. You can't have a team from the Big 10 make it. And then Pac-12 has a fertile re- recruiting ground in L.A. that you can't get through. And even if UCLA falters, what happened to USC? All the Arizona teams. They should be in the World Series almost every year. So, I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a South-dominated sport. I don't even know if a lot of people watch it. But I'll be watching, and we'll be giving an update on it next week. Let's get into our big sport for the summer. The USA Women's World Cup. Did you see, Matt, they played Thailand today? I can't believe Thailand actually was allowed to participate. Why, why do you say that, Matt? I don't know. I just, just can't believe that they were able to field a team. Did they, though? Did you see the score? No. 13 to nothing. The United States basically so they, guaranteed... So they don't have... Yeah, they guaranteed a a basically tiebreaker because a tiebreaker goes by margin of victory, and so a thirteen goal lead is ridiculous. That could be the most all time. They did say that it, it was record breaking. I don't know if I have the exact stats. Let me let me see. I have it up here. It said it made history. They netted thirteen goals, which is the record. The previous record was held by Germany in 2007. They beat Argentina 11 to nothing. So 13 to nothing 
Yeah, in the group stage, it's looking good. I always fear that the United States is going to get into women's soccer and eventually they're going to not care anymore. They tried the women's soccer professional league. The money dried up. And then after a while, it's got to be hard to recruit these athletes if you're not paying them the same as what men are getting paid. Because if a men's national player gets like, I don't even know how much they get, but let's say they get a six-figure salary just to play on that team for the year, that could be their actual job. But the women weren't getting that. They're getting like less than what even teachers make. And then how are you supposed to travel and not do that? You almost have to supplement it by being a coach or something else. But then maybe you're running like camps because you can't even be a coach. That's too much of a commitment. So I feel bad for them. And I think some of the other ones, I think there was a, the leading scorer from Europe. She plays on the German national team, maybe, but she's sitting out the whole world cup in protest. And so I'm just surprised more girls aren't like, you know what, whatever, screw it. Because it's not like they're going to get the endorsement money. They only picked the the top couple. You had Mia Hamm for the longest time. Uh, Alex Morgan recently, and she did well again. She scored five of the 13 goals, and it ties the record for the most goals in a World Cup game by a single player. So she's doing great, but those other people on the team, uh, eventually it's going to have to hurt depth, I would think. Because you can go and be a college coach or do something else and run camps for younger kids. I feel like that would be a lucrative job. And if the national team is not paying, that's kind of embarrassing because of the publicity that women's soccer gets the United States. At least because the men's team sucks. Let's be honest. So I'll be watching the World Cup. I'm happy with the start, and I think it's in France this year. I'm really hoping that eventually they start to get some more of these in the United States because I would love to go to a game. But hasn't been here at least since I've been watching, or at least close to when I had the means to go to a game. But let's hopefully they win another one. I'd love to see it. Anything you got else got on the uh, World Cup map? No. Why would you say it like that? No, with a laugh? You know that's big-time sport. It is a big-time sport for people interested in soccer. <laughs> Let's get into uh, NHL. The By the time this comes out, I put this in. By the time this comes out, and if you listen to it, I know sometimes I get it up and it, it feeds right away. Sometimes it takes a while. I think there was an issue last week. Some people said that it wasn't giving you – it wasn't downloading the right episode. It would uh, – I think I had an extra space in the name, and so some, I don't know if all podcasters got the old episode, but for whatever reason, it was loading up the last recent one, which was last week's, but I got that fixed right away. So hopefully by the time you hear this, I don't want to talk about the NHL game that has already happened, but I titled this that the Blues blow their chance, because now they have to go on the road to Boston in a Game 7 on Wednesday, which is when this releases. So like I said, you might might be listening to this after. But if the Blues go ahead and lose, did you see, Matt, that one of the local newspapers had printed an article about their celebration parade? Did you see that? Uh, oh, no. The kiss of death. Yeah, it was right before the game on Sunday. And, and I was thinking a lot of people were giving them flack saying well uh the newspaper they're on such a tight deadline but but i'm thinking why why not that many people have to subscribe to the newspapers anymore unless i'm just crazy or they're trying to get that newspaper stand crowd that what pay a quarter for the newspaper like they still do that when they go buy their lottery ticket and their smokes i just can't see the point of them having to rush to reach the market to print all these newspapers. And there was even quotes about, like, I don't know if they're from coaches or players, but to me, that has to put you in in the wrong mindset when you're preparing for the game. If you're the local media, why would you do that to your guys? To get the scoop on the celebration parade? 
No one cares about that. Honestly, no one cares. Most teams don't even have the parade until months later. In the summer. You're, you're going to go ahead and start asking the guys while the series is still going on. And you know they were the they look like they're the undermatched team. Because a lot of their losses are blowout losses. And yet you still poke the beast. I have to feel like it's a mole. The, the newspaper reporter had to have been a fan of Bruins or just a fan of a rival team that didn't want to see the Blues win. That's the only, only theory that I have, Matt. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it could also just be the motivation that you got the parade coming. All you got to do is win. <laughs> just, just, just win, and hopefully they do. They, they, they pushed it further than I thought they were going to. Taking it to Game 7 is... It is an impressive feat. I know that's the biggest killer. You have them at home. It looked like at the beginning of the series you were out of it. Now you have to win on the road, which they've done in this series to give them credit. So I don't want to write them off. If the Blues happen to win, I'd be happy because I think that franchise, at least from the outside looking in, and I don't follow them that closely, but it looks like they're doing things the right way. The Bruins have already had their chance. I think it's better for hockey if other teams win. Whereas for basketball, it's very clearly the opposite, where if it's not the top teams winning, no one cares. And you can see right now with the with the ratings, no one cares about Golden State. The only thing that saves them is if it would be Boston or LA or a LeBron team. That's it. It looks like that's it. This is the lowest rated one of the one of the lowest rated finals since like 07 or something which is crazy to me but then you're looking at at hockey and i think because of the the more fractured fan base is not a lot overall of casual fans but whenever you're able to draw in other cities i think it's good you can have an la here that goes on a run you can have a pittsburgh go on a run you can have boston chicago then you're able to bring in those fans and bring in more casuals because they see their city doing well. Hell, even Carolina this year. They made their run to the conference finals. That brought in a ton of casual fans. People buying Hurricanes gear left and right. I actually saw it stocked in a local Target, and I never see Hurricanes gear there. So you're able to bring up a casual fan that way. So I think it's really good for the sport, and I hope the Blues get it done. So hopefully when you listen to this, you can nod in agreement knowing that, that they won, and they didn't actually blow it, but... I had to name it Blues Blow Their Chance because it looks like they might have. Anything else you got on that, Matt? To reverse the the potential psychology that they already put out with their... uh, The parade parade. stuff? Brutal. Brutal. It almost makes me just want to go to a... Like any time, see if we can get a press pass for if the Ravens are doing well. And just find Harbaugh and say, hey, how are you guys going to celebrate the Super Bowl win? Or like Ohio State, like go find out what Ryan Day's up to and start congratulating him on a Big Ten championship in June. I feel like that might set a good precedent. And I might want to start to try that out. So stay tuned. Maybe Southbound Sports will get into the congratulating business. Any other teams you want to spite, Matt? We can congratulate them on championships. (laughs) Before they happen. Seems like the easiest way for teams to get their guard down. Uh, You almost had a big one. I'm going to switch here to the NBA. Matt, people laughed at you. You made your prediction. Raptors in five. And last night. Point away. So close. They they slipped up. I named this one Raptors slip up because I'm, I'm staying with the negative theme here. And I don't know what Kevin Durant's doing. I watch a game. He's in. He's out. He's getting hurt again. He uh, shouldn't have played. It looks like now he was going to come in and be the savior because when he was playing, Gold State had a comfortable lead. He goes down again. Kawhi gets the guys right back up. And the last call of the game, you have to think that if you're an NBA coach or a player or anyone that you've been thinking of this moment your entire life, Okay, we're down one. We've been practicing this all year. 
And they even said, like, uh, down here in Raleigh, and Jim Valvano with the NC State, they would practice cutting down the nets at practice because he wanted them to get used to it because he was teaching them how to win games when it mattered most. You, you teach them how to win that final moment, Matt, and then whenever it happens, you're ready for it. Raptors were not ready for it. They dribbled down, give the ball to Kawhi. He's immediately doubled. How would you not expect him to be doubled? Why did you not have one of your guys cutting to the middle lane? If they had one guy actually move towards the basket, they win with a gigantic dunk because there was no one under the basket. No one. It would have been an awesome win. And instead, they just let him get doubled and then they throw up a weird three-pointer, which I honestly didn't even think they were going to get off. Because is it Lowry that are point guard? Maybe he took the shot, but this possession before, he looked scared to even have the ball. He was trying to pass it, threw one all the way back court. It was like, what are you doing? Have you not been trying to win a championship your entire life? If you're going to shit the bed, just go over to the coach and say, Coach, I'm going to shit the bed. Like, I'm scared. Just take me out. We have to have a bulldog on the bench somewhere. Anywhere. Find a guy that can go in and get the get the game done. Matt, you're a coach. What do you think? You, you, as a coach, shouldn't you know which guys are calm under pressure? Why would you even have a guy in there? I understand he's one of your better players, but don't you want guys in there that are going to have that winning mentality when you need it most? You would hope, you would hope that you would have that on there. I mean, I think they've just relied on so many times with Kawhi hitting big shots that they just thought he would just still continue to take it off the dribble and try to put the shot up himself because maybe that was their plan going in was that it was to, regardless of the situation, try to let him take the shot. But when you're double teamed the way that he was, maybe that changes the, the final possession a lot more than the casual fan might notice. And maybe you're right. Maybe they got so relaxed with him just hitting shots that – the rest of the players just kind of sat back and watched. Because, like you said, when he's driving to the basket, it would have been like, what, an 18-footer or something? If you would have shot... Oh, if you, I think you hit the nail on the head with that, too, with maybe someone was supposed to cut, but they're so used to watching him hit those late shots that if it's drawn up, hey, make the cut, and they're just standing there chewing on their mouthpiece, then it's it's going to look like crap. And even if, I'm saying he's driving in, he has to know that there's no one under the basket. So if I, if I sh- throw up a contested shot here, I don't even have a guy running in that could potentially tip it in for me. He had no other option than to throw it back out to the point and try to get them to kick it around to the open man. And, of course, it's too rushed. It didn't work out. I think they contested it anyway. It looked like it might even went off the side of the backboard. It just didn't make any sense, and I don't understand why they just didn't go at Boogie Cousins. He looked like he was trying to lose the game, the Marcus Cousins. Every time there would be a bonehead call, I knew it was him. That's that's my <laughs> side for Golden State. Why even have him on the court? He's doing uh, moving charges to even give them the last shot, or moving blocks, whatever that, whatever that foul was, because he lowered his shoulder clearly into the guy. Like, what are you doing? How many bonehead calls do you have to make in a row? It seemed like every time Golden State was going down, it was because of him. So they battle back. I don't want to say that they blew it like I did for the Blues because there's two games left. They were up three games to one, which is ridiculous for them because I had it picked that they wouldn't even, they weren't even going to get this far. My prediction was Golden State in six, I believe. And with Durant and all the injuries, now's the time to win. I don't think Durant comes back. So right now I'm feeling I'm feeling the Raptors. I don't know if they'll win in six, but I have a good feeling that if Durant doesn't come back, they have a good shot to win at seven. I don't I don't think Durant comes back. And it actually I was thinking about this this afternoon. I wonder what Oklahoma City would have done had Durant not left. Because they were they were pushing playoffs and they they were competitive with him there, he's showing that he's the difference maker in really solidifying 
Golden State is is a the superpower that I, I almost wonder what would have happened had he have just stayed. I've always said all along that Golden State didn't need him. When they took him on, they became this villain role, and it kind of it wasn't a villain to the extent that oh, we really want to watch this team lose like LeBron and friends did at Miami. A lot of people tuned in just to watch them lose because they hated the way they made it all about them. It wasn't about their teammates. Golden State had these guys come in, and they were all team first. You really can't hate the guys. They're like all hanging out with their families, doing family stuff. There's nothing really here. They're not showboating really. And you bring in Durant to that, and it's like, oh, great. Now we know they're going to win because they were already a great team. It would have made for much uh, more interesting playoffs and television if Durant would have stayed there or went elsewhere. I think it's better if you can get four or five top teams in basketball, but the way the rosters are set up is realistically you're only going to have two or three top teams in a given span. Like Spurs were in it. A few years ago with, uh, I think Dallas was always around, and then you had Miami, wherever LeBron was in the East, and then that kind of shifted when Tim Duncan retired, and then you had Golden State come up, and Oklahoma City was right there. They could have been it, personality clashes or for whatever reason, but now Durant's in the position where, did you just destroy Golden State? Are you going to stay out West? Because if he goes out West... What does that give him? That really hurts the NBA because you already have LeBron out there. You have Golden State. And then in the East, I mean, how can you not love what Kawhi did? He did the opposite LeBron James. He went uh, to Toronto. I think they traded him up there for, uh, was it DeRozan? And then I, I saw, I think it was DeRozan. I think I saw an interview with him where he was like upset because he helped build the Raptors. Like, no, you didn't. Your teams have, you might have been the catalyst for them building around you, but you're not a winner like that. You would never have had the Raptors in the finals like this. It's 100, no. it's 100% Kawhi. He won with the Spurs. Now he's going to win with the Raptors ba- practically by himself. If you watch that last possession, you can't tell me that the Raptors don't expect him to win by himself. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Matt, what was all the beef with LeBron in Cleveland all those years? And when he was by himself, they were like, well, uh, he keeps bringing in all these other random guys around him. He was bringing in all-star guys, and he was still struggling to get it done. Then you have Kawhi. He doesn't even get to pick his situation, and he's getting it done. I will say, I am enjoying all of the random, bizarre stories about him. Have you heard any of them? No, go ahead. Fill me in. One, one of the best ones. He was at a team dinner when he was with the Spurs, and I guess like he he waved the the waiter or waitress away, and Popovich was like, "What are you doing?" He just pulled out like a bag of apples and just started <laughs> eating like apples with a with a fork and knife. <laughs> That's funny. That's the kind of thing that I would like to see more of, but you don't get that. You don't get that kind of coverage. So hopefully now he becomes a more household name. Because from what I've seen, the dude's humble. He's pretty quiet. He's not out there about making it about himself. He's practically what the NBA needs to help expand their brand. But for whatever reason, they they didn't throw into him marketing-wise whenever he was with the Spurs. And I understand it. Maybe because you had that great core around him, you still had their big three of Ginobili, Parker, and, and Duncan. So, okay, but now he's with the Raptors. I don't understand how they're not going to do... If he wins it, you have to do a marketing push around him because he took down Golden State. Even with the injuries, I I didn't think that there was any way they would lose. And uh, I'm happy for him. I just wish he was at Boston now. Get the Celtics a championship. Maybe they'll make a move for him. That's the kind of guy that you, you need a killer. You need a guy like that that's going to take the shots and get your team to the next level. And, I mean, Isaiah Thomas was one of those guys. I'm surprised he hasn't made it stick for a team after he lost, left Boston. But, I mean, that's what Philly, Philly needs one of those guys to develop. 
Could you imagine if Ben Simmons became one of those guys? It, they just look, look like he has the edge. So um, it's going to be big because who knows if LeBron can get a team together. They keep talking about them getting Anthony Davis on, what, July 1st, whenever the trade thing happens. So we will see. But hopefully by the time, by next week, I think we'll know for sure. Because that's my other beef, too, before I let you finish, and then we can hit up uh last couple topics. But NBA ends on Sunday. Their Game 7 is on Sunday. That makes the most sense because everybody will be watching. NHL Game 7 is on a Wednesday. Why in the hell is your Game 7 on a Wednesday? I feel like whoever marketed uh, or came up with their television deal had to be a complete moron. They just didn't think it was going to go to 7. Man, it doesn't even matter. Like, you want to set up your best games... For the best days, it, I don't know what exact days the M- next two NBA games are, but the, you try to set it up on the weekends so to build hype. Spread it out a little bit more. Try to do a Saturday. Why not make it on a Saturday? If you know the NBA Finals is on a Sunday, make it the Saturday night, Game 7. Make Game 5 the Saturday before. And then you put Game 6 on, like, uh, uh, Monday Monday, try to schedule it on a Monday night because that's like the other big night or even Tuesday. I don't know if the NCAA National Championship game is on a Monday or Tuesday. I think it's on a Monday. But just try to even it out a little bit to help your league out. Don't put it on a Wednesday. And God, for whatever, do not put it on NBC Sportsnet anymore. Get it on a major network. That's my final thought for NBA and NHL. If the NHL wants to compete, they got to stop throwing their championship on like the same channel that golf championships are on. Can't have it. Not even the big golf ones. They're always on NBC proper. So do something. Work that out. Because I know it's going to hurt the Penguins later on if they ever get back. I won't be able to watch them. Anything you got on those two sports, Matt? No. I did have one more thing before we get into the final bill. I put on the topic list so I didn't forget. The, uh, the Big Ten had some changes. Last week I talked about um, their new new commissioner, Warren. I was kind of low on him. I tried to do some research to bring it back because whenever they hire someone and they say that it's pushing the league forward, they're really forward thinking, those are all gibberish words because the guy has no idea what he's doing or he has no actual real accomplishments. I, I think I said last week, that he helped finance a $600 million new home for the Minnesota Vikings. That does not mean anything for the Big Ten. But I did want to give him credit on one thing. I found a little nugget that I wanted to share. While he was overseeing that new stadium that I talked about for the $600 million, he made sure that the stadium was built for fan experience by including uh, roofs made from NASA to help with uh, some of like the, the weather stuff and temperature control, and along with Wi-Fi hotspots so that you can get Internet. And that's my biggest beef from the big house. When you're in there, your battery dies so fast on your phones. And I was actually part, uh, when I was at school there, we were doing something with AT&T or something. Maybe it was Verizon. I can't remember who. But they were trying to figure out how to get better hotspots inside the stadium because when you have... 100,000 people in one location, it's very hard for them to deliver satellite signals. So if this guy comes in as commissioner and he makes stadiums more high-tech and he brings some more tech things, namely streaming to the Big Ten Network so that I can stream it from any device without needing weird cable uh, subscriptions and stuff like that, I would be 100% behind him. So... There's a little bit of hope. I was negative last week after thinking about it. Hopefully, they become a leader in that field. And then uh, the other topic that I wanted to hit on was they changed their bull lineup. Matt, they added the the daunted bull of the Belk Bull in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is very close to me. Now, it is six. Well, that would be good because then you can go see Michigan play. Well, that's what I was going to say. I thought we would play in there, but it, it looks like it's 
what, six, seven, eight, the eighth pick? Yeah, that, that's the perfect one for Michigan. Matt, we don't go that far. We have an annual bowl scheduled against Florida Gators in the Gator Bowl. That's actually the bowl that got cut, the Gator Bowl. So that means that they're going to have to slot that up. You know we, pl- we have to play Florida. That's, that's the SEC rule. So we're either going to be put in the Outback Bowl from now on or the Citrus Bowl, the third or fourth pick. I would love to see us play in the Belk Bowl, though, against the ACC. You know, Florida State, if they can make a bowl game, we might see them there. You'll see them there. <laughs> You'll see them at the Belk Bowl, Matt? That can't be a high pick for the ACC either. Couldn't, couldn't be. But good venue for a bowl game. Well, here, let me just tell you some of the names that the Big Ten has for their bowl games. It's obviously the Rose Bowl, number one. Then the Orange Bowl. That's for uh, the next coming years, which is surprising because I thought that was one of the playoff bowls that rotated. But hey, then Florida State did go to the Orange Bowl recently. How'd they do in that one? Well, how many years ago was that, Matt? I think Jabril Peppers didn't even play that game. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. They're, ESPN's still talking about how Jabril Peppers is injured. Yeah, don't you remember he was in that big blockbuster trade for OBJ? He's a primetime <laughs> player, Matt. <laughs> but they have uh, Citrus Bowl. Outback Bowl, the two uh, Florida Bowls I mentioned. Then they have the Las Vegas Bowl, which is new versus Pac-12, or it might have been recently. Then the big Motor City Bowl in in Nashville against the SEC. The Pinstripe Bowl, which is the dumbest bowl in New York, because why would anyone want to go to New York to watch a Big Ten team play an ACC team? Bring an SEC team from the South into that bull. That's what I want to see. Because then you won't have all these SEC diehards talking about how their team, their small team from Ole Miss or whatever team slows into that, gets up there in the freezing cold and doesn't know what to do. Then the Belk Center Bull. But here are the big ones, Matt. Cheez-It Bull. You want a bull of Cheez-Its? You, go, you can get one free uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. That's going to be a big Big Ten, Big 12 matchup. And it's going to be, what, ninth bull? So who knows? That'll be a bottom-feeding matchup. Then we have the Red Box Bowl. You can go to one of those kiosks, get your ticket, right outside of Walmart. And then they have uh, the Quick Lane Bowl versus the MAC. The I would call that the Rutgers Bowl, but by that by that pick, we're getting into like the eleventh team out of fourteenth, and I, I just don't know if the Big Ten's ever going to be able to fill that bowl. And I would be embarrassed. I at that point, I would want my team to decline. And I think they should start cutting these bowls. But that's my last Big Ten news. Uh, while we're on about you got anything for the ACC? Nah. All right, let's get into the final bell. Uh, final bell wrap-up. I think I got into most of my stuff um, early. Do you got anything for the final bell, Matt? How about old Tony Joyner? While you, where I spoke about Kellen Winslow at the beginning of the show, hit Miami up, we'll go with the George Wears. Tony Joyner, he was teammates with Aaron Hernandez. He was arrested. Secondary murder, killing his wife. He was he was convicted. So there's another one that was on that Urban Meyer team of. I think that's the people. guy I was talking about earlier. I didn't have my research. Yes. Yep, killing people, bunch of murder, murderous thugs. That's that's what you get down there in Georgeville. Well, we'll see if Urban Meyer makes his comeback. A lot of USC people are still pushing for him out west, and I have to think that their athletic department has to be an entire mess at, at USC because you're keeping Clay Helton on. The league is dying as a whole. I used to think the Big 12 was going to be split up, but now I'm just wondering if the big Pac-12 schools are just going to end up in some type of Big 10 merger. Arizona State's already joining for hockey. What- I think you're going to see a change, though, with USC. With them hiring Graham Harrell, and bringing on more of those air raid stuff, I think eventually you're going to get to where the, the Pac-12 starts to take on some of uh, the Big 12 resemblance with it just being wild, wild west shootouts. Really, Matt? Is that is that what's going to get it done? USC won because they had a pro-style uh, system that was built around being more talented than the other team and being able to shove it down their throat. They were basically Alabama before Alabama. They got away from that. They don't have that anymore. Yeah, why not? The athletes are still there. That's why Harbaugh still recruits over that way. Because all because all the movie stars aren't allowed on campus anymore. And that's that's a that's a shame. 
You should think that anything should go. I think that's that should be the new NCAA rule. Anything goes, and then anything oh, goes. that actually reminds me uh, of. I'll use this as my final bell. Did you see that Florida State is trying to privatize their athletic department, Matt? Yes, I did. What are your I thoughts on see- that? I think it's a step in the right direction. There's a lot of programs that that have done similar things. Their boosters have acted as a separate entity for years, and I think just having them mutually aligned will will hopefully steer things in a positive direction. I couldn't get good factual research to see if other schools have went to this extent, but some of the things that would take uh, a little bit of a shady turn is as a public part of the institution – you were open to kind of like the Freedom of Information Act requests. If you privatize the entire thing, I don't know how that dynamic changes. So like when you had the Jameis Winston incident, you can go ahead and request certain information and be able to get that. If you privatize the entire thing, they don't have to give any information. And I have to feel like you, even at public institutions, you're going to get messes like you had at Michigan State with the doctor. Then you had a doctor at Ohio State. That's when things are even public and people don't find out. So it's going to be, if you go private, I think it's only a matter of time before everyone else would follow suit if other schools haven't even started it. It was such a big splash that I thought Florida State was leading this, but I could be wrong. I know it's going to be a little bit different because there are already some private schools, like Miami's private, so they don't have to report stuff. Uh, Notre Dame's the same way. I don't know. Stanford might be the same. There are a handful of them. So if you go ahead and try to get into like the revenues of the schools, you'll see that there's about 80 or 90 schools out of the 120 listed. And that is why. Because you don't have to give the actual statistics out if you're not publicly funded. So it'll be interesting to see if that gives them a positive increase because I've always stated for the big 10, like what would it matter if Michigan had a donor pay for a practice facility in, in Florida, they have an alum. That's the owner of the Miami dolphins. What would happen if they just had their own, uh, IMG Academy style thing down there, gave the athletes a bunch of online classes. And then you could realistically build a baseball team in the South while they were students at this own state-of-the-art facility, if you had that kind of money. And right now, being a public school, you can't really do that because you're tied to the state. But Florida State, I really don't see how it benefits them. They don't have anything like that that could happen. To be, to be fair, I'm surprised Notre Dame hasn't had that happen. You could, have, you could have a split, have one out west, have one in Florida, have one in Texas, and just rotate between them. It would help recruiting immensely. And I hope that Notre Dame fans aren't listening because I would hate to give them that idea. But if, if other schools start to go private, I could see that being a thing because as long as it's a school campus facility, there's nothing the NCAA can say about it. That's my final thought. You have anything else on it, Matt? I think that's a good spot to end on. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, been picking up a lot of steam, so we love it. Tell your friends and go to southboundsports.com to get the latest episodes. If there's ever an issue, you can hit me up on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us. Our social accounts are all listed there. I'm trying to get author pages. You can find me, Richie Leahy, on there uh, on Twitter under my name. So I'm going to try to do something on our website so that you'll be able to find us and give us a follow if you would like. But, uh, again, thanks for listening. And we will see you next week.